Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Well, a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you as we are so blessed. The Lord allows us this time every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday live at 4 p.m. Eastern time to share in the joy of our faith, the joy of the gospel, and I'm very joyful that you have joined me here on this February 4th. 2021. Lovely day outside. I hear a lot of drippings, a lot of melting is going on out there. And just think, two months, it'll be April, right? (laughs) Uh, A little bit more winter left, perhaps, but um, it goes by. And that's the beautiful thing about this this part of the country. You know, we get to experience the four seasons, and you know there's always going to, there's always change coming. So if you don't like the winter, you know that spring is right around the corner. And if you like the winter, well, you know, you can enjoy it uh, every uh, every year, and it, it always returns, <laughs> inevitably. Anyway, I'm, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's thank the Lord for this day, and um, I'm going to pray, of course. It is Thursday, so it is Catechism Day. Uh, I also, um, in my, you know, look, praying about where, every day I always ask the Lord, Lord, I don't really know where to go, Lord. This is your hour, so you tell me what, what you want, and... Um, a lot of times you see on uh, on a Facebook the, the Throwback Thursday, Throwback Thursday, they, that people show old pictures or old posts or something. So I thought, well, let's do a little Throwback Thursday and go back to 1984 when our Holy Father, now Saint, then Pope John Paul II, was presiding at a Mass for families during the extraordinary Jubilee Year of Redemption. I don't remember... That being a year of redemption, but what a beautiful, what a beautiful uh, year it was, I guess. Um, and uh, he prayed a prayer, a uh, prayer. Uh, well, first of all, he consecrated everybody, the entire world, uh, to the Immaculate Heart, as he had done two years previous on May thirteenth. Um, kind of uh, reconsecrated all individuals and peoples to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And at the end of that consecration, he said a very powerful prayer that asked God to deliver us from the many faces of evil in the world. This is 1984, so we're talking 36, 37 years ago. Um, And boy, we need this prayer now. So I thought we'd just kind of go over that, just kind of share some of that, uh, remembering our dear St. Pope John Paul II uh, and uh, on this Throwback Thursday segment. And then, of course, we'll go to the Catechism and continue on our teaching on prayer uh, today, the expressions of prayer, vocal prayer, meditation, etc. So we'll go to the catechism for that. But first we're going to pray. And as always, my friends, I invite you, wherever you are listening or watching, because we are coming to you live on our video platforms today on Domestic Church Television, 
our YouTube channel, Domestic Church, uh, youtube.com slash Domestic Church Media, and also on our uh, live video on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Domestic Church Media, live video also on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. And all of our audio platforms, of course, are for uh, radio stations here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, but also uh, coming to you if you have the uh, home speaker devices, the Amazon Echo or Google Home devices. All you do have to do is say, uh, play domestic church media, and our stream will come over 24-7, loud and clear. Uh, of course, you can stream live audio as well from our, uh, our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. And, again, if you have our free mobile app, which I hope you do, uh, you can listen and watch as well as go back to the archives all on our uh, app on your phone or tablet uh, when you download that for free, our gift to you. So that being said, uh, we know uh, because of all these media platforms that we're able to use, and oh boy, oh boy, I'm so excited um, about the coming to fruition of a great, great prayer. Um, had a nice luncheon today with some associates and talked about our plans for moving forward. I can't get into a lot of detail right now, but it's exciting. I'm very excited about it. Um, uh, the Lord is really, you know, I, I, here I am. I, I turned 66 years old in December, I, I Social Security age, and the Lord is saying, but you're not done yet, Jimbo. I got more for you to do, so... Anyway, we'll, we'll keep that in prayer as well. And for all of your intentions, we're praying, of course, this beautiful prayer uh, of consecration of our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. And I have posted on our website how you can request your free copies of this. We want to send them to you, courtesy of the Knights of Columbus, a beautiful prayer card, the consecration to the Holy Family. Um, we'll pray the prayer now. But um, as I said, if you go to our, our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and click on the prayer link, you can request free prayer cards. We'll send them to you, uh, our gift to you, so that we can all pray this beautiful prayer, consecrating our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. So let's begin, my, my friends, as we do all good things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace. As you prepare to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer, we entrust our families to you. O oh, Blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O oh, Saint Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us. 
and we'll pray our prayer to St. Michael and also the beautiful ancient prayer to Our Lady. Holy Father asks us to pray these prayers specifically with the intention of protecting the Church from the attacks of the devil. And uh, we've added to that to protect our country, and we know we should also add protect our families uh, from the attack of the devil because he, he wants to destroy families. He wants nothing more than to break up and destroy families. So we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God, do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And again, we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us, Venerable Archbishop Sheen. Pray for us, St. Pope John Paul II. Pray for us, Our Lady of Good Remedy. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my friends, I thank you as always for joining me and uh, spending this hour with me and praying together. Always a wonderful way to start our day. And uh, just a little program note and reminder, of course, Cheryl and I will be here tomorrow at 4 o'clock with Friday Live. Um, But then uh, I'm going to take some time off. And uh, next week we'll have a week, uh, this program will have repeats uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then on on, uh, Friday we'll kind of have some best of interviews uh, from the Friday Live programs uh, in the past, and we'll put them on for you. And then uh, the following week um, uh, I'll return on Ash Wednesday. On Ash Wednesday I'll be back, uh, God willing. just, you know, we do this every winter. We kind of get away in the wintertime. We don't really take a, any lengthy vacation in the summer. Uh, we like to get away from the cold. <laughs> so we get out of here for a little bit. Um, and it's always a nice refresher for us. And we always go to see our dear friends, uh, the poor Claire's of Perpetual Adoration, the desert nuns who have a beautiful monastery out in the middle of the desert outside of Phoenix, Arizona, and um, it's a beautiful, beautiful monastery and a beautiful little church uh, that they have there. So we go visit, and we always remember you, all of our domestic church media family, in prayer when we're with the dear, the dear nuns. Of course, they're cloistered, and we only see them at Mass, and, and then they, they go back to their monastery. And uh, just a beautiful—it's Mother's Order, Mother Angelica's Order, and it's just a—you know, we— to get there is pretty neat because you, as I said, it's about about an hour west of Phoenix. And you know, if you've ever been out to that part of the country, um, Arizona is such a, a beautiful and uh, expansive state. And when you leave the city proper, Phoenix, you get out into the desert. You're out in the desert, and uh, the freeway, which is if you stay on it, will take you to um, uh, to San Diego or L.A., depending on which way you go. When you get to a certain point in California, but anyway, uh, on the way, about an hour outside of Phoenix, uh, you get off the highway and you literally follow dirt roads through the desert, desert roads, uh, until all of a sudden, like an oasis in the middle of the desert, is this beautiful chapel and monastery uh, where the desert nuns live. So um, they were originally with Mother's Order in uh, Alabama, 
but then received permission to, after they were invited by Bishop Olmsted, I believe, of Phoenix to uh, establish a, a, a monastery out there in the desert southwest. So it's kind of, it's also a little pilgrimage for Cheryl and me. We go and we uh, just love being out there and uh, that beautiful little uh, holy ground where the desert nuns are. It's just beautiful. And you go into the um, chapel, little church, really. Um, they have beautiful images of uh, of uh, St. Clair, uh, St. Therese, and, and, and the ones we're used to seeing, you know. Uh, but then there's a beautiful image of Mother Angelica there with a, a standing at a satellite dish. It's great. It's a beautiful painting in the cha- in the in the uh, church proper. Uh, you know this um, this year 2021 will be the fifth anniversary. I can't believe it's been that long. Mother passed away in in 2016, so this is the fifth anniversary. This coming uh, March, I believe March 30th, um, the fifth anniversary of her entrance into eternal life. And as you know, I'm sure, uh, at the five-year mark, I've not heard anything, but after five years, um, an individual's cause for canonization can be opened. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, if not this year, certainly eventually or soon, uh, the cause of canonization for Mother Angelica will be opened. I haven't heard anything at all, but what a great uh, thing it would be if um, that happened this year, the fifth anniversary. And, you know, Cheryl and I have been talking, of course, nobody's traveling in groups (laughs) right now, uh, but we've had many inquiries, especially after Cheryl had her pilgrimage to EWTN a few years ago. Many people want to go back. And, uh, of course, we were there last last, uh, March uh, to do the uh, program uh, with Jim and Joy, and we were saying how... We really should. Once everything gets back to normal, and we pray it gets back to normal soon, uh, have another pilgrimage down to uh, EWTN uh, to visit the Tomb of Mother and, of course, go to the uh, the um, t- television campus there. Uh, and also, you know, when Archbishop Sheen, and he will be beatified, he's going to be beatified in Peoria, Illinois, when that happens. Of course, right now things are up in the air again, but it's going to happen. Uh, but when that happens, it will happen in Peoria, Illinois. So we thought also when that happens, we would love to be able to have a pilgrimage that would allow us to go from here out to uh, Peoria for the, for the beatification of Archbishop Sheen, our spiritual patron. So a lot, a lot of great things to look forward to, my brothers and sisters. Uh, a lot of um, opportunities, I think, that we have here that we're looking forward to in our work uh, of evangelization. As I said, you know, we we have this wonderful um uh, network of of radio stations. We have a beautiful plant here in uh, Ewing, Mercer County, New Jersey, where which is our headquarters, our main studio, and um, it had it, it's been set up. And if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you see the the beautiful studio we have. It was refurbished a few years ago uh, through the generous donation of one of our board members. But even before it was refurbished, we still had TV lights in here when we moved in back in 2008. There were already TV lights in here. And it was kind of semi-set up for uh, television as well as radio. So all in the Lord's time, all in God's time. And I and we do believe that right now, 2021, is the year that he wants us to accomplish this. So uh, we'll have more information on that as we move forward. Uh, I just had a wonderful lunch meeting today with some associates, and we talked about it and kind of laid out some plans and next steps, et cetera, et cetera. So 
keep praying for that. And there's a lot to do and so many hearts to reach. You know, there's just so many souls out there who are hungering and thirsting. And you know, the thing is, they don't even know what they're hungering for or who they're hungering for. We have generations now of young people who have just been left in the void of nothing. No belief system, no faith system, or those who were raised in the faith and because of the allurements of the world were pulled out of the world and have gone astray, who need to be brought back. Even they are looking for something, searching, and don't know what it is. We have and we know who it is uh, that they're searching for. And so we have to reach them and, and go where they are to bring Christ to them. And then we'll see a changing world. I think right now, you know, we all have this fear that the world is spiraling down into the abyss. Uh, But we know that Jesus is in charge and Jesus is in control. And so let me go back with you, if I may, uh, to 1984, since we're calling this kind of a throwback Thursday session. Um, St. Pope John Paul II, as our Holy Father then in that year, was presiding at a Mass for Families during the extraordinary Jubilee Year of Redemption. And I don't remember that year uh, as such, but uh, so it was. Uh, He was faced with a world in turmoil nearing the end of the Cold War and recognized the need to beseech God's help in delivering the world from evil. This is 1984. Uh, The occasion was highlighted by the presence of the original statue of Our Lady of Fatima in Rome, uh, standing prominently next to the main altar during the Mass, uh, John Paul II led those present in a consecration of all individuals and peoples of the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Did you know that? That in 1984, John Paul II led those at this Mass in a consecration of all individuals and peoples of the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And he said, I will today entrust to her Immaculate Heart in spiritual union with all the bishops of the world, all individuals and peoples, repeating in substance the act that I made at Fatima on May 13, 1982. You recall that on that day, May 13th, 1982, exactly one year after the assassination attempt on his life, Holy Father went to Fatima and took that bullet that the doctors even said on that May 13th, 1981, appeared as if someone had directed that bullet in his body around all major organs and arteries. The trajectory of that bullet, the doctor said, was not natural. It's as if someone took that bullet and led it around uh, the major arteries and organs that, if it had not done that, would have killed the Holy Father. John Paul took that bullet with him to Fatima. One year later, May 13th, 13th, the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, And in his prayer, he placed that bullet in the crown of the statue there and officially made the consecration uh, to the Immaculate Heart that Our Lady asked for back in 1917. 
there are a lot of um, conspiracy theorists and doubters who to this day said that Our Lady's request was not made. Don't believe it. I'm telling you that. Don't believe it because both uh, Sister Lucia, before she passed away, and John Paul verified. And Sister Lucia said, yes, the Holy Father did fulfill Our Lady's request. If Sister Lucia said that, as she did, (laughs) you have to believe it. So those people who are saying it never happened, et cetera, et cetera, John Paul didn't do it, don't believe it. He did. And then on this day in 1984, he added to that, really, that consecration and consecrated all individuals and peoples of the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1984. Um, At the end of the consecration, John Paul II said a powerful prayer that asks God to deliver us from the many faces of evil. It is a prayer that retains its relevance as evil continues to plague our world. So this is a prayer that the Holy Father prayed on that day in 1984, a prayer really of deliverance and protection from evil. So I'm going to pray this prayer now and, and as I read it to you, and we'll see how well we'll see where we are at the end. But but we'll we'll talk about this because as this little uh, piece reads, as I just shared with you, it's as relevant today. It's probably even more relevant today than it was in 1984. I'm trying to think back to 1984. That was the year before I got married. It's a long time ago. I was 84. I had just turned 30 years old. So yeah, that was a long time ago. And the world was, I don't know, it just didn't seem as bad as it is today. So let's pray this prayer. This is from John Paul in 1984, after having consecrated all peoples of the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, prayed this prayer. Immaculate Heart, help us to conquer the menace of evil which so easily takes root in the hearts of the people of today and whose immeasurable efforts already weigh down upon our modern world and seem to block the paths toward the future. From famine and war, deliver us. From nuclear war, from incalculable self-destruction, from every kind of war, deliver us. From sins against the life of man, from its very beginning, deliver us. From hatred and from the demeaning of the dignity of the children of God, deliver us. From every kind of injustice in the life of society, both national and international, deliver us. From readiness to trample on the commandments of God, deliver us. From attempts to stifle in human hearts the very truth of God, deliver us. From the loss of awareness of good and evil, deliver us. From sins against the Holy Spirit, deliver us. 
Accept, O Mother of Christ, this cry laden with the sufferings of all individual human beings, laden with the sufferings of whole societies. Help us with the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer all sin, individual sin, and the sin of the world, sin in all its manifestations. Let there be revealed once more in the history of the world the infinite saving power of the redemption, the power of merciful love. May it put a stop to evil. May it transform consciences. May your immaculate heart reveal for all the light of hope. Amen. And that's from John Paul II in 1984. Now, I got this from an article published in uh, 2017. Um, just You can probably Google it, Prayer for Deliverance from Evil by John Paul II. Prayer from Deliverance for, from Evil by John Paul II. But remember... This is 1984, and the Holy Father was praying to be for the world to be delivered from famine and war, from self-destruction, from every kind of war, from sins against the life of man from its very beginning, to be delivered from hatred and from the demeaning of the dignity of the children of God to be delivered from injustice in the life of society, to be delivered from the trampling of the commandments of God, to be delivered from attempts to stifle in the human heart the very truth of God. Think about that. And this is 1984. Think about how bad it's gotten since then. But this isn't, you know, we can look at the world today. We were having this discussion today at lunch. Uh, you can look at where we are right now, and we can complain till we're blue in the face. And it's not going to do a thing. We, the church, members of the mystical body of Christ, are called to build up the kingdom of God. It's not somebody else's job. It's our job to do that, using the gifts that we're given. You know, we can sit around and bemoan the state of the church and, and, and point fingers and accuse and blame, etc., etc. But if we don't do anything, we're just as guilty. We are called, I go back to the, to the first century church, you know, I say it all the time, and especially as we, as we will eventually get to the Easter season, I love the Easter season mass readings because we go through the Acts of the Apostles. And we read about and hear about the zeal of the first century Christians and the, the complete focus they had on their mission. It wasn't about individual self. It was about the church. 
and the members of the church working together in union and harmony and, and, and spreading the gospel in the face of threatened to be killed and tortured, they didn't care. They had this enormous, great love and zeal in their heart for truth. And in this prayer that John Paul prayed, he prayed for a deliverance from the loss of awareness of good and evil. Today, my goodness, what was once evil is considered good, what was once considered good is called evil. Everything is inverted, but we mustn't lose hope, my brothers and sisters. We mustn't lose hope or faith. We are called now as the people of God. God is raising up great saints, and I'm sure I'm speaking to many of them right now. In whatever vocation the Lord has put you in, and your mission that you're, uh, you've been called to by Christ in whatever area of life, whatever ministry that's been added to your vocation, whatever apostolate that's been added to your, your way of life, we're all called to build up the kingdom. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Find like-minded brothers and sisters, as was done in the first century church, and come together. We have the beautiful structure of our diocese and parishes, which is great. But it doesn't mean that we leave it up to the pastors and the uh, uh, department heads, etc., to do the work. We really are the ones who are called right now to get out into the world, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to as many people as possible. And even when you pray for us, my brothers and sisters, and support us, you're doing just that because you're allowing us to do this and to reach so many people every day. I'll take a break, come back. The Catechism, we're going to talk about the uh, about prayer and the um, expressions of prayer. So stay where you are. More to come. Be right back. voices are on EWTN radio. Every single day I get to help our listeners of the Sunrise Morning Show wake up, find out what's going on in the church and the world, and then walk with them as we all seek to grow in knowledge and love of Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith. I mean, how could it get any better? The Sunrise Morning Show with Anna Mitchell and Matt Swain. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media weekday mornings at 7. Bishop Robert Barron on the priesthood. For the first thousand years, there were married priests within the church. There still are married priests under certain circumstances, you know, so it's not absolutely necessary. However, I'm a supporter of it, and I wouldn't want us to move in the direction of kind of a, hey, you know, optional, some do it, some don't. 
I get it. And I, I go back to Paul, and it's Paul's words that are actually in the ordination ritual, you know, about an undivided life, undivided life, a total gift. I have nothing but the greatest respect for married people. In fact, when I hear the term heroic sanctity, when they talk about saints, I think of parents right away, you know, who give themselves to their kids. But there's something, I think, pure and simple and undivided about the life of celibacy. It's a radical conformity unto the celibate Christ. Why am I celibate? My ultimate answer, because Jesus was, and I'm conformed to him. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. Look, sweetheart, hell is hell for you in the past, and all you pre-Vatican people and all you pro-Vatican people, all you people before Vatican II and all you people after Vatican II, if you don't shape up, down you go. (laughs) Now, you may not believe it, but I hate to have you find out by going there. You got to face realities. There is a heaven, there is a judgment, there is a, a hell, there's a purgatory, there's a particular judgment when you die, there's a general judgment at the end of the world. Now that judgment doesn't change your status. It just tells everybody why you went where you went or how you got there. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. I had a moment of overwhelming peace the other day where I felt God's presence very powerfully. That's something called spiritual consolation. In those moments, God makes it easy for us to have the right perspective on life. The next day was rough. I was hit with some really hard news that turned me upside down. You know what I did? I remembered that moment of peace from the day before, and I chose to dwell in that peace. God doesn't just give us moments of spiritual consolation so we can remember them and long for them. He gives us those moments so we can recall them into the present. In a marriage, that time you fell in love, that's not something for the past. There's sweet memories that we recall throughout marriage that feed the whole marriage. So it is with God. In the hard times, recall the way He's showing you His love in the blessed times. Don't just go to your happy place. Go to your God space, and you'll find the right perspective again. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. From Doylestown to Dayton. Chalfont to Cherry Hill. Matawan to Manalapan. From Lakewood to Long Branch. Asbury Park to Adelphia. Morrisville to Marlboro. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back on this lovely, beautiful February 4th. As I said, if you've been outside, you know it's above freezing, so things have begun to melt. Just got to be careful because they say it's going to freeze overnight, so it'll be a little slippery out there. But uh, anyway, it is uh, it is melting right now. Sun was shining brightly for a while, and maybe it still is. I don't know. I have, I have no windows here in the studio, so I can't tell what it looks like outside right now. But it was nice when I came in, so... Anyway, again, uh, my friends, on this day, uh, this February 4th, we are, it is Catechism Day. It is Thursday. We're going to go to the Catechism and teach from the Catechism on the expressions of prayer. But again, before we do that, just to remind you, tomorrow, of course, 4 o'clock, Cheryl will be here with me and we'll bring you Friday Live. Uh, It is First Friday, 
Um, but unfortunately, Bishop O'Connell had a scheduling conflict, so he could not be here tomorrow. Uh, he's going to try to reschedule for sometime in February. Um, and then uh, because it is first Friday, uh, um, George Rose, and I believe he's going to have a co-host, guest co-host with him tomorrow uh, because Bill couldn't be here, Brothers in Arms, at 6 o'clock. Um, and next week, now, um, Monday uh, would be the – no, wait a minute. What was <laughs> I'm sorry, this past Monday was first Monday, and the snowstorm. That, that's why we didn't have uh, come to the throne. So, uh, But next week, uh, I'm, I'm away, and uh, so we'll have repeats on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then Friday, some best of Friday Live interviews for you. And then I'll be back on Ash Wednesday. Um, can't believe it's <laughs> that close to Ash Wednesday as we begin the beautiful season of Lent. Um, but anyway, so there'll be some repeats there. So just please uh, thank you for bearing with me on that. We, Cheryl and I like to get out of here for the winter, uh, little winter a little winter jaunt every year uh, to get into some warmer climes. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll be back. God willing, just keep us in prayer. We'll pray for you. As I said earlier, we're going to visit our friends out there, the beautiful uh, desert nuns who are out in the desert. Literally, it's great because when you go to their monastery, as I said, it's, it is out in the middle of the desert. There's nothing around. and uh, But they did post signs there when you drive into the parking lot, and they have a little sitting area outside the church, uh, a big yellow sign that says, stay on the uh, paved walkways, beware of rattlesnakes. <laughs> so interesting place, Arizona, interesting place. All right, let's go to our catechism, and we started this a few weeks ago. You know, Holy Father has been teaching about prayer during his general audiences, and so I thought we'll kind of complement that and go to the catechism, because there's a beautiful section of the catechism on prayer. And today, uh, this is the section on the expressions of prayer. You know, you hear people today saying (laughs) um, how much we need to be praying how much prayer is needed for the world. As I just shared with you that beautiful prayer of deliverance that Pope John Paul II prayed uh, 30, 36 years ago. No, it was 36 years ago. Whew, my goodness. 1984. Um, but we need prayer now more than ever. I mean, just need it now. And sometimes people say, you know, I, I, I don't know how to pray or I have trouble praying or... And so the Catechism lays it out in a beautiful way as it regards the expression of prayer, and it begins in paragraph 2700 with vocal prayer. Vocal prayer. It says, Through his word, God speaks to man. By words, mental or vocal, our prayer takes flesh. Yet it is most important that the heart should be present to him whom, uh, to whom we are speaking in prayer, whether or not in prayer is heard, I'm sorry, whether or not our prayer is heard depends not on the number of words, but on the fervor of our souls. You know, sometimes, and I know I love to have vocal prayer, whether it be uh, words, uh, mental or vocal, depending on uh, where I am. I, I have We have this beautiful little chapel here with the Blessed Sacrament, and um, if I'm by myself, sometimes I audibly talk to God speak my heart uh, in prayer, in prayer. 
Uh, other times, I, I it's silent prayer. It's mental prayer. The Lord hears my words, even though they're unspoken. Um, and just to have a heart-to-heart sometimes, you know. Um, paragraph 2701 says vocal prayer is an essential element of the Christian life. To his disciples, drawn by their master's silent prayer, Jesus teaches a vocal prayer, the Our Father. He not only prayed aloud the liturgical prayers of the synagogue, but as the Gospels show, he raised his voice to express his personal prayer um, from exultant blessing of the Father to the agony of Gethsemane. We often read Jesus' vocal prayer um, and the liturgical prayers of the synagogue and him raising his voice to express those personal prayers. We read them. We, we have them to this day. We can read the personal prayers of Jesus. And the Catechism says the need to involve the senses in interior prayer corresponds to a requirement of our human nature. We are body and spirit, and we experience the need to translate our feelings externally. We must pray with our whole being to give all power possible to our supplication. You know, we can be very much distracted in prayer, can't we? Um, I know, and I, it doesn't really happen that much now for some reason, maybe because we're all masked. <laughs> Um, but I, I know, and I've shared this with you, how it, it um, irritates me if I, on a Sunday or a holy day, and I'm going to Mass, any day, going to Mass, but usually on Sundays when this happens, and you go and you want to get there, I get there, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes earlier to just spend some time in quiet prayer, in, in, in quiet presence before the tabernacle sitting in the pew and communicating with God. But people talk and talk at regular volume in other parts of the church. I find that very distracting. And the same thing happens after Mass. You know, I don't hear it as much now, maybe number one, because there aren't as many people and people aren't sitting that close to each other, maybe because we're all masked, I don't know. Um, but that can be distracting. And even in our own personal prayer on our own, in our home or wherever we have our little prayer uh, space, there may be distractions. The idea is to get rid of those distractions, whatever way you can, uh, to involve all of your senses, as the Catechism says, in interior prayer, uh, to, to, to really come into that place uh, where you are communion and you're communicating with God is uh, unobstructed. Paragraph 2703 says, the need also responds, uh, corresponds to a divine requirement. God seeks worshipers in spirit and in truth and consequently living prayer that rises from the depths of the soul. He also wants the external expression that associates the body with interior prayer, for it renders him that perfect homage, which is his due. So this need uh, to this, what the Catechism defines as divine requirement, that God seeks worshipers in spirit and truth. And uh, um, 
as a consequence of that or as a result of that, this beautiful living prayer that rises from the depths of the individual soul, and God wants that external expression um, that associates the body with interior prayer as it renders him perfect homage between body and spirit. And then the Catechism says, because it is external and so thoroughly human, vocal prayer is the form of prayer most readily accessible to groups. Even interior prayer, however, cannot neglect vocal prayer. Prayer is internalized to the extent that we become aware of him to whom we speak. Thus, vocal prayer becomes an initial form of contemplative prayer. Now, you've heard me say, others have said, I'm sure you've said at times, uh, God asked me or God told me or God instructed me or God inspired me or God uh, wanted me, you know, and do we hear audible voices? Probably not. Some people do, maybe, at times, not all the time. You know, Scripture tells us that certain uh, great holy men and, and, and women did uh, you know, Noah, God spoke to him out loud, you know, build the ark and gave him instructions how to do that. But most of us don't have that experience. Most of us feel an interior voice and through the spiritual realm and our spiritual, you know, our, our soul, as we speak to God, we don't audibly and, and verbally um, vocalize the words but we can think them and interiorize them in this beautiful mental prayer. And God hears them just as, as, as sharply as he would if we were speaking them vocally. And so when he speaks to us the same way, we hear those words. We hear and feel and experience God's response to us. And to have this communication with someone who we love, who we have never seen or physically embraced, is a uh, goes beyond just our, uh, our our human experience. Our um, it's into the, again this on a spiritual level. So. The Catechism says that this, thus our vocal prayer becomes an initial form of contempl contemplative prayer because the interior prayer that we pray uh, externalized and internalized to the extent that we become aware of him to whom we speak. So there's a whole uh, uh, um, realm of uh, experience there that if we allow ourselves to enter into it becomes a truly beautiful experience for, in our prayer life. That's vocal prayer. Then the Catechism goes on to meditation, paragraph 2705. Meditation is, above all, a quest. The mind seeks to understand the why and the how of Christian life in order to adhere and respond to what the Lord is asking. The required attentiveness is difficult to, to sustain. And there, too, you know, we... we uh, try to enter into that and uh, that level of prayer of meditation prayer that the catechism calls a quest <laughs> this seeking to understand 
the why and the how of our life as Christians. You know, stop to think about that. Why are we? Why are you listening to this radio station? Why am I, and have I for the past twenty-five years dedicated my life to doing this? I've never seen God. He's never sat down with me for a cup of coffee and and given me written instructions. <laughs> You've never, uh, you know, had a, a stroll in the park with the Lord physically there with you. Um, and, and teaching you uh, one-on-one as a human person and his human in his uh, human nature there with you physically. We have this relationship with our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have this relationship with all the beautiful uh, saints, starting with our Blessed Mother and Saint Joseph, and 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 then a beautiful relationship with our our guardian angel we've never seen. One day we will. So we try to understand what is this all about? Why are we doing this? And then the catechism says, we are usually helped by books and Christians do not uh, want for them. The sacred scriptures, particularly the gospels, holy icons, liturgical texts of the day or season, writings of the spiritual fathers, works of spirituality, the great book of creation and that of history, uh, the page on which the today of God is written. We have a lot of resources, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, from which we're reading right now. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, resources to be helped. And the Catechism says to meditate on what we read helps us to uh, make it our own by confronting it with ourselves. Here another book is open, the Book of Life. We pass from thoughts to reality to the extent that we are humble and faithful. We discover in meditation the movements that stir the heart, and we are able to discern them. It is a question of acting truthfully in order to come into the light. Lord, what do you want me to do? A question we all ask. You know, there's no... And how many people in the course of our, our life have we met who have set us into a direction, a particular direction to which the Lord wanted us to go? There is an, a, a beautiful order to all of this, even though at times it seems it's a mess, right? Whether it's our personal life or the life of our family or the life of our society. We look around and we think, okay, what, what's going on here? God, where are you? Why aren't you making yourself more clear to me? Why aren't you manifesting yourself to the world so that we will straighten out? There was a wonderful little uh, writing, uh, maybe you've seen this, it's been on the internet for num- many, many years, um, I don't know the title of it. I think it was an anonymous author. I love them when they're anonymous because they don't know. You always give credit to to the Lord Himself. But it was a little story. I'm going to have to paraphrase. I don't have it in front of me here. But it was a story of a little a little girl who, every time she would visit her grandmother, her, her grandmother would do uh, needlepoint 
And the little girl would always look up. And, of course, what the little girl saw of the needlepoint was the bottom. So she would see her grandmother very meticulously putting this needlepoint together and, you know, with the threads and the different colors and things. And, and the little girl would look up. And from her vantage point, all she saw were, was, was a, 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 a mess of threads, dangling threads and all, you know, uh, mixed up. And it made absolutely no sense to her. And she asked her grandmother, Grandma, you know, you work on that so much and so often and so hard, and it, it, it just does, it doesn't make, it makes no sense. There's nothing. I don't see anything. It looks like a mess from down here. And the grandmother picked up the little girl and sat her on her knee and showed her then the needlepoint and how everything made sense. Every little uh, um, thread had a purpose and had this beautiful picture and tapestry. And, 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 and the, the, of course, the analogy there is with, with God. <laughs> you know, sometimes we look around and think, this is just a mess. My life is a mess. My family is a mess. The world is a mess. God, what are you doing? And in our meditation, in our prayer, we cry out and, and, and wonder, try to figure it out. Why am I living my life this way? I look around and I see so many other people uh, having a great time and, and they have no cares and, and they seem to just, you know, do what they want to do and, and no worries and no frets. And here I am struggling to keep all of my, my, my life in, 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 in a sense of order. And the world isn't cooperating with me. My family isn't cooperating with me. Sometimes even my church doesn't cooperate with me. But God keeps everything in order. We may not always see it as he sees it, and most of the time we don't. Remember, and this is a beautiful image you know, of, of God who sees everything in the present moment. Everything is present to him. We have to go through this this tunnel of time, you know, that we, we, tomorrow is gone, it's past, you know, we, we can't go back, physically go back. I'm sorry, yesterday is past, we can't go back to the past. Tomorrow is, is a shadow. We don't know what the next minute holds, let alone a second even. But God sees it all at once. And I... Well, a good holy priest one time said to me, he said just, and he was taught this in seminary. He said, imagine you're 10,000 feet in the air and you're looking down onto a mountain and there's a road, a pass that goes from the bottom of the mountain around the mountain, spiraling all the way to the top of the mountain. You're looking down on the mountain. You see the entire path from beginning to end. But an individual who's walking that path can only see a few feet in front of him and a few feet behind him. Nothing more. But God sees everything as if he's looking down on that mountain pass from be in our life from beginning to end to the day we enter into paradise. 
That's where trust and faith and hope come in. And that's in our prayer, in our meditation, our thoughts, our imagination, our desire. Come together to meditate and contemplate who we are. Why are we here? Why did God make me go back to the Baltimore Catechism? God made me to know him, to love him, to serve him in this life so that I can be happy with him forever in the next. Very simple. How does it apply? Well, you have to have that relationship with the Lord. You have to be able to know how to communicate with him. To know that he exists, to know that he loves you, to know that if he even stopped thinking about you or loving you for a split second, you would cease to exist. And he knows you better than you know yourself. He can count every hair on your head. And he created all that is. And to establish a relationship with our triune God is a lifelong journey. It's, it's, a, it's a quest. But it begins and is sustained every day through our prayer. I didn't get through all this section, but we'll continue next week or two weeks from my return. Uh, so um, thank you for sharing your time with me and allowing me to share this time with you. God bless you. Uh, again, we'll join Cheryl and me tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Thank you for being a part of my day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you. Mm-hmm.